Do you want to know more about coronavirus dashboards? How do you keep up to speed and up to date with what's happening in the ever-changing world of coronavirus? How do you know what's happening in and outside your own country? In this episode of EGP Learning, we'll be looking at uh, various coronavirus dashboards that we've been using throughout the pandemic and a few that you might not have heard of. So buckle in and uh, let's go. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode where, as Andy mentioned, we're going to be looking at COVID dashboards and sharing with you some of the ones that are available. This is something I know you've been looking at for a while now, isn't it, Andy? Uh, um, kind of, yeah, take yeah. us through it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's one of those things I was reflecting on. I was thinking, I'm surprised we've not done an episode on this already, actually, because these dashboards are really interesting, informative, um, and uh, you know, they are quite technological. Um, so I'm, uh, it's a surprise that we've not done this so far, but I'm really um, happy that we're having a look at them today. Um, so for those mm -hmm. people who aren't quite sure what we're talking about in terms of a coronavirus dashboard, um, there's so much data out there, isn't there, Gandhi, um, mm -hmm. about um, the spread of coronavirus in this country and in other countries and um, positive tests, deaths, deaths within certain time periods of a positive test, um, number of people vaccinated now, um, that it, it can be difficult to make sense of all that information, place it within context and reach conclusions about what's happening and plan what you expect might happen going forwards, make predictions um, and, you know, plan an appropriate response, both on a personal and organisational and kind of governmental and inter international level um so people have obviously um come up with various ways to try and make sense of this data and uh there are multiple dashboards that take this data and try and uh make it uh, accessible to us by presenting mm -hmm. it as maps or as graphs um and um and these can be really interesting informative dare i say fun to look at if you like data visualization um but they're really good and and there's a few out there and they all in slightly different ways and i thought yeah. it would be a really good episode just to look at, at at some of these so um shall we get cracking andy absolutely so i guess to help us with this we're going to bring on some data onto the screen um, and in particular we've used uh, an article that helps us to understand a little bit more about the different kind of um versions and that kind of stuff so this is the mit one isn't it andy i think uh, yes yeah, so this is an article actually from from march last year um from mit which i think was just helping people um, choose from the initial crop of uh, dashboards that were available. Um, mm -hmm. But we we just sort of did a little search to see what people had um, already written about the topic, and this pointed us actually in the direction of a few that we hadn't seen already. So that's a really good article. I'd recommend that EGP learners check that out if they want to dig in a little deeper into the topic. Um, mm -hmm. And then there was um, another article that um, highlighted some more dashboards to us uh, from the next web. So check those articles out so where do you think will be a good place to start in terms of dashboards gandhi where shall we begin our journey well since we're in the uk how about we start off with the one that the government seems to be using so gov.uk version um so, and this is basically the data that many people will be watching on the news every day when we get the updates and stuff this is where it seems to come from um and, and yeah, yeah the kind of information that's available to you if you want to have a look at yeah so i guess what, what we're going to be doing over the next few minutes is looking at We've got about six different dashboards that do yep. things in slightly different ways and come from slightly different angles. And, and you might find it interesting to learn about them and to maybe try them out and have a look at them yourself. Um, I've got a question for you first, though, Gandhi. So um, this is the first it's the first pandemic I've really been involved in planning a response to. But it's mm -hmm. also the first pandemic where I 
remember such rich data and well-presented data being available to the general public and being out there mm. in the public domain. Um, do you think that's a good thing? I think it is because I think it helps share what is actually happening in the world. And I mean, we've talked in previous episodes about, you know, fake news and, and that kind of stuff. And that what is nice to have is the availability of the information for people to see what is actually being available and what's being reported and, and how significant it actually is. So I, th I think, you know, more data is always a positive thing. And I think it also helps those people trying to innovate to try and change things to then know what to do. Because when you see kind of, you know, official data and also uh, you know, other sources of data, it allows you to respond so much more effectively and also innovate, I think. So I, I, I personally think it's a positive thing. I can definitely understand some of the cons being, you know, it's a bit scary sometimes when you see some of these things. But sharing correct information, and that's the key part of it, isn't it? It's, it's the correct information with, with individuals. It, as far as I'm aware, is never a bad thing. Um, it's always how they interpret it, though, is the challenge then after that point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think there's a few layers to this, isn't there? So first of all, there's obviously a lot of data that all of these yeah. sites and dashboards are pulling from. So there's an awful lot of open source data out there that um, individuals, universities, health services, governments can use to plan their response. So it is fantastic, uh, the, the level of data sharing that's out there. Um, I suppose if, if I was thinking of a downside, I think maybe, you know, if if the public aren't protected from bad news, maybe they'll panic. But I don't think I've ever come across anybody who um, has been panicking or suffering from anxiety or um, adverse effects during this coronavirus pandemic that has said that they have looked at a coronavirus data dashboard and that that is the thing that has pushed them over the edge. So um, mm -hmm. whilst you might think that might be a problem, I, I don't think it I don't think it. Um, if it is, I guess really it's one that we've not seen in our clinics. I don't, I'd agree. I'm sure there are probably some people that have seen this and thought, oh, my gosh, and, and panicked to, to, and definitely had anxiety from some of the spreads. And we're going to show you how some of these graphs work as well. But I think you're right. It, it's not a common problem, shall we say. Yeah. And the flip side of that is um, sometimes you do want people to panic a little bit. And sometimes mm -hmm. actually presenting people with this sort of data can make them make positive behavioral changes uh, or, you know, permit the um, appropriate sorts of policies to be passed by their governments and so forth, mm -hmm. which is great. And the other thing I think is good is actually it allows you to see what is happening in other countries. It allows you to see what um, other countries are saying is happening in your country. Um, you know, if you're in a country where you don't necessarily trust some of the government information perhaps um sure. and they allow you to access websites from outside your own country um you, know, you can get a a second opinion on oh, you know what's happening in the in the data which i think is really good um sure. so, but, so and I suppose, we have a look at this one so this is yeah, sorry, our yeah, country's right. data so gov.uk um and it, it's quite interesting isn't it because it gives you quite a, a reasonable amount of depth on various different things i mean talk us through it andy yeah so I've been checking in with this dashboard throughout the pandemic, and it's actually evolved quite a lot um, into its current form, which I think is is probably its best form, actually. So you get mm -hmm. kind of a daily update and summary, um, which is essentially four graphs of what it what they believe is the most pertinent information. And I think it's really good, actually. So it gives you positive tests, um, the number of tests being conducted, which allows you to view that first graph within some context. We're doing many more tests now than we were back in April. Mm -hmm. um, deaths within 28 days of positive tests um, and the number of patients um, admitted to 
hospital, which I think are the key stats really within the UK. Um, you can dive down deeper in terms of some of the testing data cases, um, the strain on the healthcare system and the deaths as well. And there's an interesting heat map. Shall we just go in and see what's happening in Nottingham just to highlight the functionality here? Mm -hmm. uh, so this looks a little worse than it did a few days ago when I was um, last checking in. Um, and obviously the deeper red to purple, the color is the, the worst. And you can see the um, southeast looking pretty, looking pretty grim, unfortunately. Not, not faring well at all. I mean, just, just, just zooming in and looking at some of these boroughs in, 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 in London. Um, for example, I remember when um, you could, when they would close an air corridor into the UK from a country where the um, rolling rate per 100,000 people was 80. Do you remember those mm -hmm. days, Gandhi? Yeah. And now we have large portions of the country where it is in excess of one and a half thousand. Um, we were barring entry from countries where it was 80 um, over the summer. So mm -hmm. things have really changed. And um, I said we'd have a look at, at Nottingham. So it must be up here near Leicester, Loughborough, a little higher. So Nottingham actually... <sighs> We had that period where we had a really high rate due to the yeah. student population, didn't we? But actually, that seems to have settled down. And look at this rolling rate, 180 um, in Nottingham. Um, I think that's your area, isn't it? Sort of city centre, Trent Bridge, or are you more? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's where you are, really, isn't it? You're not mm -hmm. quite as far as maybe Snenton. So not, it's not too bad in Nottingham, but um, it's really creeping out um, and starting to um, engulf the country again. True. But um so yeah, that's the UK um map. Any have you had any comments about um about the UK dashboard, Gandhi? How do you do you think it's do you find it useful? I mean it, it's short, sharp data that's UK specific and it's pretty easy to navigate and also it explains the key points, which is nice. Um it doesn't really give much comparison with other data, which is um fair enough. I mean it's designed to show UK data. Um but I guess some of the ones we're now gonna have a look at probably are better at looking at comparisons um across different areas as well aren't we um and shall we go to the, the i guess the first one many people probably heard of which is the world health organization one so you know, obviously the world health organization is responsible for public health across the world um and yeah you'd imagine they'd have a pretty good dashboard doesn't look too bad does it andy yeah so it's a good dashboard and, and um the world health organization obviously like like is available to anyone i guess um have a lot of data. So there's lots of different ways to visualize and explore the data um, mm -hmm. on this graph. So there's obviously a, a fairly simple heat map and you can hover over and see some of the key um, headline inf information about those countries. Um, and then uh, these are the graphs they've selected to put on the front page. So there's the global situation that you can have a look at and then it breaks it down by continent um, and geographical regions. Um, and you can see where the majority of cases are coming from, uh, new cases at any particular point in time. And you can look back and see how things have spread over time. Um, and then you can look at the situation country by country. So we've got the death tab highlighted. You can look at new cases, mm -hmm. you look at deaths. And um, it's interesting, again, just to compare what's happening in the UK or in deaths at the moment um, compared to some of our neighbours like France and Italy, for example. And we do seem to be experiencing a bit more of a spike than some of these other countries that look a little bit more static or Italy coming down from its second spike. And look at that. In the summer, we were having three, you know, three to 20 deaths per day. And 
you know, now we're in excess of thousand. So really interesting data. And then um, you can also look at visualize things in, um, in table form here. And there are some really, um, I haven't even begun to explore this area, <laughs> but um, they, you can obviously go very deep into the publicly available World Health Organization data. So it's like if you know what you're doing, there's a lot of functionality there, but probably a bit of a steep learning curve from the headline map to um, to handling some of the data. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about the World Health Organization one, Gandhi? I mean, like you mentioned, Andy, um, you, you would hope that they've got probably one of the best resources in terms of depth of data, and they clearly have. They've got loads of information there that's really useful. Um, but at the same time, it seems like it's so much data. It just seems a bit overbearing, to be honest. Um, uh, but, you know, actually, that's where you'd want to go, isn't it? If you want to know stuff about COVID, to be honest, it's the World Health Organization. Absolutely. And if we were public, if we were public health professionals or, you know, working in planning and strategy at the Department of Health, then um, we might find this more useful than mm. um, than we do as day to day GPs. Um, I'm going to bring up the, the next one. So this so I think John Hopkins University were quite quick out of the block in terms of having a usable, uh, visually um, helpful dashboard. Because mm -hmm. this is the first one that I was using at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and actually was using it to communicate to my parents um, about how serious the situation was when they weren't taking things um, seriously at the beginning. Um, and this, it ha it's evolved a little bit over the course of the pandemic, but hasn't changed all that much. Um, I quite like the color scheme, although it's quite alarming. Um, mm. And, you know, it looks like a game of pandemic or something like that. Um, but it's quite good. It gives you headline global yeah. data. You can break down by country. You get a little breakout of the country at the side. United Kingdom data coming up. So it's not quite behaving how I expected it to at the moment. Um, but you can break out by country. Um, and uh, it was really useful early in the pandemic. I think I prefer some of the other dashboards now, hmm. John Hopkins University one. He uses the concept of dark mode, which a lot of people tend to prefer because it aesthetically looks a bit more interesting. Um, but like you said, it, it, it's got a bit more of a ominous tone as well. But from what I hear, the data is meant to be really um, effective in, in terms of where it, you know, it uses various sources for its data. Um, and like you say, it just represents it in a nice and easy to understand. I mean, you can look at that and understand that that's where the outbreaks are and, and that kind of stuff. Um, although I, I tend to prefer the next one on our list, if I'm being honest, out of the two. Um, and that's one called Health Map because it just, I think it does what John Hopkins does, but it just looks a bit nicer. Um, I mean, what do you think of this one? Yes, I like this one. And the thing I like is actually, if you look at the key on the on the side over here, um, new cases. I'm not quite sure what their definition of new is, but mm -hmm. um, obviously they're, they're making the distinction between the sort of historical number of cases in an area and the new cases. So you can mm -hmm. glance at the map and see where the majority of the new cases uh, are occurring, which is interesting. And certain areas of, of, of Eastern Europe, UK, United States, particularly um, Eastern Seaboard, um, India, uh, and then outbreaks in the in the Far East as well, in some areas of China, which is interesting because I thought they largely got that under control. Um, mm. So I think that's a nice visual difference of the um, the health map. And um, should we press the play button so we can see how this whole pandemic has panned out? Because I quite like this function. Oh, so, go for it. Here we go. It doesn't run for too long, but um, 
see things starting up in China and then spreading to places with major airports, you know, Paris, London, Japan. And then I think it starts to go crazy. There's obviously a, a bit of an exponential yeah. growth in cases towards the end. And those new cases are blue, of course, as we go through. Wow. Nearly up, nearly up to current data. And I suppose there's areas of the world where we don't have as much data as well. Mm-hmm. So countries um, in Africa, for example. And it's interesting, you mentioned about how um, the John Hopkins ones kind of looks like a game of pandemic, um, a game I've been unfortunately playing a lot of lately just because it kind of feels the same kind of theme and whether it's slightly sadistic by playing it is, is one called Plague.Inc. Um, okay. So it's kind of like pandemic. Um, but it's where you're actually playing as the virus trying to take over the world. And they've now created a new version on the app, which is the, the alternate one where you're trying to cure the virus, cure a virus. And um, you can design the virus or whatever, however you want. Um, and it plays, you know, the, the, the visuals is very similar to what we just saw. Um, and it's quite interesting. I, I'll stick links to the app and both to the game down below in the show notes if people want to check that out. Um, but it's one I've kind of weirdly enjoyed playing. Um, which yeah yeah, yeah. they're fun games i mean they were fun before the before the pandemic Uh, so they're still fun now particularly Um, when you you play the cure version you beat the virus and you're like yes i beat covid yeah so yeah so if you like visualizations then the next one um is very pretty but extremely complicated um and i think has functions beyond those that are relevant for ourselves so um so this is next strain, and um, the interesting thing about this this website is you can look at the uh, visualizations from previous pandemics. So mm-hmm. we just thought we'd bring up the 2013 to 16 um, Ebola pandemic in um, in West Africa just to compare. It's a slightly smaller um, outbreak, so you can see some of the functionality of the um, of the visualization a little bit better. Um, what this does is use publicly available genomic testing data to allow you to um, track the various forking and spread of a new variants um, and uh, new versions and mutations of the virus as they occur. And it represents that visually. It's really complicated, but actually really, really pretty. So uh, I'm going to reset this and uh, press play. So you can see the, you know, the vectors of travel and where things are, where the different strains of mutations are moving, which I think is really uh, beautiful, but uh, mm. deadly, I guess. Yeah. So, and you can see how uh, the different um, strains are becoming more or less numerous, and how actually less competitive strains of the virus are being replaced by new ones. Um, I suppose this is particularly sort of interesting given the talk of the new variants um, of coronavirus that mm-hmm. are of concern now. So, and uh, let's look at the similar data for um, the coronavirus as well. I'm going to zoom out. Let's play to see how this pans out. Similar to the ones we just saw, the difference with this is that it's also showing the various different strains as well, like you said. So, I mean, they're going to kick off a little bit later, but as well as showing the spread and, and the amount of data that we saw with the um, health map one, um, you'll also get to see the variants as well, which is quite useful. So yeah, it's it's interesting and pretty, and obviously, it's useful to some people. And, it, and actually, it's useful actually just to be 
aware that viruses mutate a lot mm-hmm. um and and obviously um you know we've got a, a new mutation that is causing problems in the southeast of of, of england but actually yeah. there are so many mutations occurring around the world um not many of them clinically significant um but where they are that really causes problems mm-hmm. so it's interesting to watch that panning out um and then I uh, suppose we've just got one more to look at. These last few are sort of notable mentions, aren't they? So uh, let's pause that so it doesn't cause problems in the background. Yeah. And so, then... Yeah, so this last one is Worldometer, which is one I, I actually quite like because it is, it's really simple information. But then if you want, you can go into so much more depth and, and it presents it in such a nice and easy-to-use fashion. Um, yeah, so, so... Yeah, go for it, Andy. I was going to say, so it, it's... Uh, having a little fiddle around, um, it it's not maps, um, it's tables, which is uh, some uh, graphs and tables, which is useful. I need to get back to where I was before. So some really nice tables queued up. Uh, yeah. Here we go. So uh, sometimes you want to ask a certain question, don't you? Or there's something that you want to know. And, and quite often we like to compare how our country is doing to other countries. Mm-hmm. So this just simply presents... Um, headline data and allows you to order by number. So you might want to say, so actually how are we doing in terms of deaths per 1 million population or who, which countries are doing particularly badly and struggling mm-hmm. and which, which aren't. So we can order by deaths per, let's go the other way, uh, per 1 million population. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see those countries which have been particularly badly affected. So uh, some of you said Belgium um, and I remember quite a lot of reporting um, earlier in the pandemic about Belgium faring particularly badly, um, but lots of deaths per million um, and so forth. And where's where's the UK? So we're doing a little bit better than Italy, Czech Republic, but not quite so well as Mm. other places. And people might think the USA isn't doing a good job, but it's it's doing a better job than we have. Or maybe job's the wrong way to look at it um, because it's not always about how – how good a job you're doing it's about how unfortunate you are sometimes in terms of having large trading hubs you mm-hmm. know big global cities uh relative to the size of your general population and whether variants crop up and so forth but you know so i think this is obviously different to the maps so it's more easy to compare countries compared to some mm-hmm. of the um, dashboards which are more map based so mm-hmm. there we go yeah so I guess those are the ones that we had lined up. Um, Gandhi, which is your favourite dashboard? Um, so I'd probably go with Worldometer and Next Strain because I think they um, kind of show different types of information and they do it in such a nice way. So Worldometer, because it's just nice and simple, you can play around with the data and have a look at the, you know, like you say, the the rates per million and that kind of stuff so easily. You don't have to go hunting around for it. Um, and Next Strain for its visuals is just really interesting data. Um, so, so I guess those are my preferences, um, particularly because I, I, I don't just want to know the UK stuff. I want to know how we're comparing against the other countries and things, whereas obviously the UK one is just the UK one. What about you, Andy? So I'm going to go to the other side of the spectrum here, and I'm going to say, I, actually, I think the UK dashboard, I think it does a really good job in terms of um, my day-to-day awareness um, for where I live, being able to drill down and see uh, what the situation is in you know my part of the world, um, 
as close as actually individual council boroughs. Um, I think that's really, really useful True. and to get a kind of bird's eye view of what is happening um, in my country. I find that uh, really, really useful, mm-hmm. but I take on board what you say um, about it being nice to know what's happening elsewhere. So, um, so yeah, so hopefully people found that helpful. If people haven't been looking at these dashboards, I'd certainly recommend people give them a look. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, whilst some of the data is, you know, whilst it looks worrying looking at all of these de- graphs, actually um, knowing that you're connected with the bigger picture um, can actually be helpful in a way. And I think mm-hmm. in a strange way, reduce um, anxiety and give you more of a feeling of, um, if not control, just knowing what is is happening. Um, so, so that's dashboards. Absolutely. And if you do want to check them out, like we said, all the links to these dashboards will be down in the show notes below on the YouTube channel. So definitely have a look at those. If you're listening to us on a podcast as well, we'll make sure they're available for you to click on and have a look and, and play around with. Cause it, like you say, Andy, it's really interesting to, to do. Um, we hope you found this content useful. If you have definitely subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on the podcast or on YouTube, definitely leave us a like and a comment in terms of which was your favorite dashboard that you saw really like to know what people are thinking in terms of which of these is the one that they would probably look at if they had to. And I guess as always, Andy, EGP Learning is here to help save you and your patient's time by taking on your primary care and learning. We'll catch you in the next episode.